Hello everyone, and welcome to Technically Inappropriate. If you're new here, thanks for tuning in. Any returning listeners, you already know what kind of shit show this is going to be, so I don't know why exactly you're back, but thanks to you too. It's been a long two weeks, but the boys are rested and ready to talk about how to understand technical talent. Except, as usual, literally everything besides the topic at hand seemed way more interesting to talk about. Between football, Dungeons and Dragons, and other role-playing games, this episode has a little something for everyone. So whether you're a hut-hut-hike, football jock who is definitely popular in high school, or if your high school life was closer to my experience and were labeled the not-so-popular nerd for wanting to live a double life as a clumsy orc bard who definitely wasn't about to seduce a dragon, please enjoy this week's installment of No, We're Definitely Professionals, But It Sure Doesn't Sound Like It. Enjoy! Oh, man. So, how are you doing, Russ? I'm doing good. I just had uh, a nerd weekend. Uh, with a bunch of D and D dorks, D and D dorks. Ooh, we which, yes, which we, version? Uh, oh, five E. Thank you for asking. Right. Appreciate the clarification. Uh, uh, we've got a, I've got a group that we've been playing pretty regularly for the last couple of years, and so once a year we go down. We rent a house on the river. We pick this house based on the quality of the gaming table. <laughs> Oh shit! There's b- one dude brings a suitcase full of board games, and we just sit around and play board games in Dungeons and Dragons all weekend, and it is a delight. Oh, that's awesome! I, I don't know how we already got here well, was, for a given to... value of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. Leave, let them have this. Damn it! I rolled, I rolled a right. twelve on my awesome check, but I've got a plus three modifier. So, a little above average. <laughs> See, it all went to, so, like, I'm a purist, right? I'm not a Gygax original D&D person. You know, the the original sort of uh, light brown color of your testicles in the sun type covered book. Book, yeah. Right. Hey, but speak for I yourself. like the, the, the second edition, you know, advanced D&D. And, th- and mm-hmm. that was me. That was my entire experience was that. And then they they went off and they made like these 47,000 other editions of like D&D. <laughs> it's, and, it's very confusing. You know, and they changed all like the, all of the rules and the character thing and so on. Well, you no, know, and it, it gets, it just, it's, it's worse than that though. It's not the, when they publish these tomes, these dungeon master guides, Hey, Rob, is this the level of nerdiness that you were looking for? Oh, you fi- we, we okay. finally fucking got here. It took us <laughs> right. five, eight episodes. We are I mean, now wait. 100% on <laughs> brand. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let me just complain for a second, Tony. They publish all this shit. Like, you can buy, if you invest, say, 75 bucks, you can get your, your guidebooks that'll let you create your own world and collaboratively tell stories with all of your friends. But then every few months they put out some addendum or new book that costs another, you know, 40 or 50 bucks that adds Request to for more rules. money. So then you're constantly, it's not just a question of which version are you playing? It's like, are you playing version 5e with Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and Xanathar? Or are you, it's, it's too much. Yeah, it, so, you know, I, I like D&D, but then it got, it, it went rogue. And, and and so we had a... And Bard. You know, we Sorry. played a lot. And we actually ran <laughs> conventions back in Australia um, uh-huh. with this. And so, you know, a whole, ran out a whole school for a weekend when the kids aren't there and you run all games and all this sort of stuff. So we did all this. And... I have a mate of mine, Gavin. You know, Gavin is known for two things. One, for being able to sit on a table and leave an incredible impression of the sweat from his ass crack on the table. (laughs) And two, for having like an encyclopedic knowledge of all the D&D rules. (laughs) <laughs> so you know we would go play with gavin on the team we would go play these games 
And, you know, the, the DM would be like, oh, well, like, here, I'm going to do this. And Gabriel, no. What you forget is on page 342 of the Dungeon Master's Guide in section 4, para 3, subsection 2, it allows us a D6 roll here instead. You know, and I'm like, uh, how do you know this? <laughs> right? He was yeah. fantastic at that. It's a... I would never play, and I'm using you know, the air quotes, mm -hmm. I would never play competitive D&D &D without Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> it's know? really about, yeah, the entire game is about your knowledge of the rules. Because, yes, I unfortunately, and I made the mistake of putting together a group of players that are all smarter than me. So I'm doomed. <laughs> they they're constantly poking holes and pointing out everything that I've missed and also going full rules on me because they know the game better than I do. And See, uh, it it's my, gotten to the point where I can't even add any color commentary. <laughs> I'll I'll we'll be in a fight and I'll say and after the Minotaur hits you with his battle axe, he turns and winks. And some other fucker's like, oh, does that mean I have advantage on the attack because he's not looking at me anymore? And I'm like, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to paint a picture, man. I'm just so trying to paint a picture. My preferred game system is Traveler, which is the science fiction um, game system. Original Traveler. Okay. I've done this Traveler oh, is, 2000 bullshit. Is this the one where you build the whole backstory? But I love Traveler because uh, it was all 2D6, and the whole thing, you could spend four hours rolling up a character and have the character die during character development. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> the one I was thinking of. We, <laughs> we would waste days of no RP yeah. just building characters that died of old age. <laughs> no, no, no. Was... This, this was like, you know, you'd roll 2d6 and, you know, the system would say, mm -hmm. oh, yes, you died in a bizarre cutlass accident. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and he'd be like, <laughs> "But yeah. I just spent three hours rolling up everything else." Right. I wish I wish I had known about this game because that's the as a as a nerdy youth, I spent countless hours building characters and rolling characters up, and I probably spent about ninety minutes playing any kind of role playing game with anybody. Traveler. So this sounds published. like things. Yeah, oh, it's uh, Mark. Uh, Mark something is the the name of the guy that was the the author of it. It's a fantastic game. The beauty of it is because Mark Miller. You know, once you get past the um, the character generation issue, mm -hmm. everything else is basically two d six. Yeah, it was so, built in seventy seven. <laughs> right? It, There's oh, you want to like you want to skull fuck the enormous statue of the emperor. I roll two d six and add your skull fucking skill to it, right? <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's sort of the whole thing. And it was it was fantastic. I loved it. You, know, you could make up these ridiculous weapons. So so yeah. I had in one game series I ran. I I you know I I had a weapon that they could use that made a sound like a chainsaw, and it was like the brat. <laughs> You would just go like, oh, I'm going to brat that guy. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Roll 2d6. Okay. What'd you get? I got a seven. Okay. You bratted him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was like, <clears throat> and what was left? Well, the brat doesn't leave a lot at the end of the whole process. That's the <laughs> point of the brat, you know? And, and there was none of this. So I also played, um, what was the... What was the game system that did uh, 2D10? And it was like everything was incredibly uh, modeled. Um, model? We're not it, talking about it was Cyberpunk, like, are uh, we? The, I, I, I don't remember the name of the game system, but it was like, you know, everything, everything you possibly wanted to do had a 100% chance model. Was that, okay. I want to say RuneScape, but that that's not the, the right name, right? Gotcha. Um, and, and, and so you would spend hours learning the system so that you could roll these 2d10 
and then look up some big chart and go, I, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was 0.3% greater than- uh, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. All, all these games tend to like veer, you know how, what's the saying about uh, all systems move towards the becoming email, right? Or sitting, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about. All these mm-hmm. systems move move towards accounting. They slowly evolve until you're realizing, oh, this is just a spreadsheet, and I could just write a macro and step away, and this would just run itself. And right, you know, and that was the thing that you know always, like I always got with with this system was that like by the time you know, if it takes you longer to play out the combat than the combat itself in real life would take, the system has broken down. Right? Yeah, it, it just boggled my mind. Yeah. So there's a whole world out there of like slow uh, uh, or simplified uh, role-playing games that are one-page RPGs, right? Oh, mm-hmm. um, so there's sorry, a couple- Sorry, right. There's a couple- Good. Oh, there's, well these one page rpgs kind of follow that well i mean they're not gurps because gurps is still pretty sophisticated i think but these are oh gurps is incredibly sophisticated yeah, it can be yeah no these are know. very simple there's uh one that i've seen I'm, and i've never really had a chance to play well i've played one of these the others i'd love to play at some point but uh honey heist where all the players are a bear and you roll to see what kind of hat your bear is wearing and uh, it's basically a 1d6 or 2d6 kind of game where you're either trying to behave like a bear who's trying to act like it fits in with human society, you know, like you're trying to persuade someone or play cards, or you're trying to do something berry like maul somebody. And that's basically your two actions. And you're constantly moving towards, as you, if you fail a role for being more human-like, you become more bear-like. So by oh, the end of the game, That's not a game, that's a, a coin no, that's flip. fucking awesome. <laughs> There's another one that I think you might like because you like the sci-fi ones, Tony, which is called Lasers and Feelings. It's kind of a similar concept, except I was that- with you right at the start of that. I lost it towards <laughs> <the> feelings. <laughs> you everything you do in the game either involves skills with lasers or skills with feelings, and you roll a one d six, and yep. away you go. So I I put I a actually link had a, we had a real life um actual problem in one of the games I was playing, you know, years ago, mm-hmm. where, uh, now I'm going to tell the story in the most favorable light that I could possibly tell it in, right? So my friend would probably tell it in a different light. But, you know, we captured this starship. We got a bunch of people. We're having a discussion about stuff. And then he bur- blurts out all the secret information that we're supposed to have, right? While we're having this discussion. So then I proceed to just execute all of the captured prisoners because that's information that is secret. And, you know, I'm not going to give the uh, GM an opportunity to say, oh, well, the guy you let go is, you know, told this to some. Like, bam, executed them all. And he was just. Do they furious? Like real life furious. I mean, did you he see the GM's like eyebrow twitch or anything? And he <laughs> threw his stuff down, and he's like, "You are a complete fuckwit," you know, and went off on the whole thing. And I'm like, "All right, look, we all knew where this was going. As soon as you blurted out that shit, they were all dead, right? You know." Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm not telling you anything that years of working in the military didn't tell me before. we know this yeah oh yeah that okay you would fit you would fit right in with my players tony because that's exactly they they see everything as a i feel like their approach to the game is how can they fuck me over okay well russ how was your week apart from the game (laughs) been a great week thanks for asking that's the that's fifteen minutes. You, that's fifteen minutes. Keep of going. You're fine, your <laughs> Rob. How was your week? Well, you know what's interesting. I too have got back into role playing this week. <laughs> oh, nice. No, it's uh, it's funny. It all kind of comes around. But um, 
Yeah, uh, no, it's been good. I bought a camera that's bad at being a camera that I'm learning how to work with. Uh, they're, they since discontinued them, but uh, Sigma... Wait, is, is this a thermal camera so you can find where you buried the bodies? No, no, no. I have not buried any more bodies. I promise the narrator the, shows back up. I think the camera is just to capture all the role-playing. So what'd you get, like a French maid outfit or... Ah, you're on to me. No, I uh, no, I got a I got a um a Sigma Quattro uh, or SP Quattro H, which technically has a, a different kind of sensor on it. So instead of having your normal bear type sensor, where a certain amount of the pixels capture red and a certain amount of pixels capture green, and you make a picture, they layered it. So it's actually a like a stack sensor. So. Oh, didn't didn't Sony try that at one point? I don't know. Uh, Sigma uh, bought out the rights to this uh, this this type of screen, or should I say, sensor uh, back in two thousand eight. They might have. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of the SXRD, where instead of where instead of it going through the LCD screen, they bounce it off of it in oh, order okay. to get the picture so you don't get the the with the screen door effect in in those things right, but no, right, right. yeah no this is this is slightly different um so it's it's so instead the light passes through this and it hits the first one which i believe the shortest wavelength is red and then green and then blue and as, and so you have what is considered like a 29 pixel or 29 megapixel uh, uh sensor but because of the fact that everything gets the full breath that actually comes up to more like a 56 megapixel shot things like that but it takes a lot more power um and they kind of discontinued the camera it's kind of a one-trick pony but i'm i got the i got the camera i imported it from japan i got all the extra equipment i'm just waiting for a lens or two to show up to play with it but i'm i'm really excited to play with that and, and russ this is the point where we shouldn't mention this podcast to the people that Rob has laid off due to economic circumstance. Exactly. Definitely. Do not, do not <laughs> let them know. Definitely not. No, it, it, it's a sad moment, but we had to do it because this camera is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my week, moving on, my yeah. week has been um, surprisingly pointless. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, which I sort of like. You know, if nobody is killing me and I'm not killing anyone, I consider that a good week. Yeah. Right. We were out at the cabin. You know, Russ, you have a standing invitation. If you ever get out here, you're welcome to come out. I'm going to get up there one of these days. This, I think we have to do it this summer. I think we have to do at least one of these podcasts from the cabin. We need to do it this summer. Live from the cabin. Brought to you by Starlink. It dumped like a foot of snow while we're at the cabin. Oh, nice. And oh, yeah, it was well, nice until it's time to go home, I guess. Well, the problem (laughs) was, was that uh, Rob and I were supposed to go to an XFL game on that Thursday night. And I'm like, no, I'm not getting out of here because there's a foot of snow and the roads are all iced up. And the XFL is not worth me sliding my truck (laughs) off into like, you know, pine. It's a shit. That's a shitty way to go. Yeah. So actually, he wants to say, well, he was on his way to an XFL game. And then then he'd rather die instead of go. Right. (laughs) If if I'm going to die, you know, if I'm going to die, I want the story to be yes, he saved these three virgins from the dragon while he was like punching it in the nuts. Exactly. (laughs) Right. But, you know, so yeah, so we had a a great time out there. It, it, It was good. And, because I didn't go to the XFL game, we actually came back a day early. Um, but I guess it, I owe you the story. Like, we'd tell you about the XFL game right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's like, you know, I, so Rob and I, Russ, Rob and I were thinking about going to the XFL and my, and actually buying season tickets because the, it's five home games. It's something to do during, you know, the NFL offseason. Yeah, and we get to drink yeah. beer while we do it, right? There's really okay. no downside. So that makes a lot of sense. So one, Tony. So yeah, I went to the XFL game, and then um, I couldn't find almost. I, it took me until almost the last minute to, to figure out someone to go. Originally, I was gonna ask. Um, I asked my brother, didn't respond to me whatsoever for a while, and I was like, "Well, shit!" So I I pinged Joe. 
uh, a friend of ours, Tony and I know, and he's like, oh, sure, I'll go. And then about an hour or two later, he pings me back like, I can't go. I can't get my dog out of um, out of grooming in time to, to go. And I'm like, well, what the hell? So I finally. That is such like <laughs> That's bullshit. the only thing that Joe would have done that would be more Joe would be to say that he couldn't get his Fiat work. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been, and I would have called, like, I would have first said, oh, shit, I guess that makes sense. So I was like, you motherfucker, you sold that thing. It's gone. He's like, yeah, I know what to tell you. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, my brother finally responds back, and he thought I wanted to him to come play football with my football team. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, no, no, we're just going to go watch football. And he's like, who the fuck's playing football right now? It's XFL. And so I finally got him in and we went. Um, so we get to the game, we get through and we, we go to the club area, by the way, best move, Tony. Yes. The club area is only way to go for these games. So if we, if we decide to continue doing this only way to oh, go, yeah, we do. do they let you in the club? If you're wearing your mangy yak cape, I did not check. I think as long as your ticket goes beep, you're in. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Especially for an XFL yeah. game, not for an, well, maybe not an well, NFL game. To be clear, <laughs> Rob was wearing his mangy yak underwear, okay. <laughs> which will soon be available on the which, podcast merch store. We do which have. We do on the URL. Confused, by the way, Tony, with Rob going commando. So, <laughs> <laughs> no you one can, can tell for sure. <laughs> just one's gr- one is grayer than the other. That's all okay. you need to know. Will, Don't ask which one's which. <laughs> I won't let you finish telling me about your ex. Is it skid marks now. or is it just break? I'm not telling you which marks. one's which. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. So we get into the we get in there and the place like is still empty like 15 minutes before kickoff or whatever because of how fucking cold it was I think most people who bought tickets were like ah 100 bucks wasted give no shits didn't bother to come to the game so we walk right up grab beers ah, grab dim sum eat a bunch of dim sum and then we walk out to our seats and we're like the only people out there like in our section a few other people come it's actually pretty empty i think it was a really bad idea to uh to have a game on a cold night like that they should have just well, moved it it's <laughs> it, it sort of like you know unlike the conspiracy theorists that you know you can't control the weather right right you know it, it is what it is but hey, rob as long as we're doing oh so go ahead Sorry. yeah but so like then we decide to come in for halftime and it's everyone is packed up so as you go into the club area and come out of it there's these windows that look over the field everybody who bought a club seat is in the cl- inside the club area watching the game inside on the TV or in front of them like they came to the game to watch the TV the game <laughs> uh, on TV I shit you not anything versus um natural air absolutely no. But you, but yeah. because of the fact that it was such a smaller crowd, you got right up, you got drinks, you got food, everything was really quick. You could get warmed up, you could go back out. Like, I think we should just get club seats and do the rest of the season. Because worst case, we won't remember anything anyway. <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, what was the topic for today? I was going to give it to Russ. Russ, any last words? Otherwise, you, it was your topic. I'd love oh, no, for you I to just... kick us off. I just want to say congrats to the Sounders for their 4-0 win against Colorado in their season opener. I know. Epic. How did you even know that? Wait, is that the number of players that fell down clutching their legs? It was the number of red cards. The number of other players? (laughs) Or is that at the end of the day? I can't. I can't answer. I can't answer any more questions, Tony. This is just me fucking with Rob with very specific sports facts. Every once in a while, I get these. I get these weird fucking texts where it's like, "Hey, Rob, how do you feel about two in this situation?" With like in-depth details about what's happening in his in his life and career and stuff. And I'm like, Russ, please stop copy pasting me ESPN notes. <laughs> He's like, "You got me." <laughs> so, so Russ, I don't like soccer because I think it is boring. <laughs> right mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. I don't like I mean, and this is I I will tell this to anyone face to face is like don't get me wrong I think the skill required by the players to play soccer is incredible these guys are athletes they're fantastic at what they do I just think their sport is boring <laughs> and yeah. 
I put my flag in the ground on the sense that I grew up playing cricket. This is a game that lasts for five days and can end in a draw. So I know boring, you know, and I'm just like, come on, guys. You know, and the, as a rugby player, the thing that really annoys me is when they get the slightest, like, they don't even have to get a touch. They have to get something that looks like a touch. And then they throw themselves on the ground screaming like, you know, you it's should get shot. two Catholic priests out there to have an exorcism. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like, the other Catholic come priests. Come on. You know, it's a, I've broken an elbow Goodness. playing rugby, and I wouldn't give the other guy the privilege of knowing it hurt me. <laughs> Right. Just now it it <laughs> rotates both ways. Don't ask why. Well, it stopped me from punching him, so I guess he got off on the <laughs> off light. Like, what happened. But anyway, moving on. Oh, what is the sorry. topic for th this week? I, yeah, I, Russ, was, this one's yours. I was spitballing some stuff and one of the and the topic is uh and I may I may actually edit this as I say it. Please. Uh, originally the way I was thinking about this was what is technical talent and how do you, how do you nurture it? How do you hire for it? How do you find mm -hmm. it? Right. But I think it might actually be more like what is talent, right? Which is what is talent and what are you like? How do you, how do you find it? Because there's different categories. Is it product productivity? Is it having an encyclopedic knowledge of whatever you're going to do? Is it an ability to bullshit? Is it just good judgment? So I'm curious as to your own stories about, well, I, how do you, how do you put a team together? What are you looking for? And how do you make sure you're not hiring duds? I think you've made it too broad, Russ. Okay. You know, because the ability to bullshit is a key requirement if you're in marketing, right? The ability right. to lie face-to-face -face is a key requirement oh. if you're in sales. No, two-drink minimum sales. Right. The, the can you deliver bits is a requirement if you're in engineering or support, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 the IT pro support thing. So I, I would drag it back a bit and just say like, you know, let's look at technical talent sure. because yeah. I don't want to talk about sales talent. Like I've met some incredible sales guys. These guys <laughs> could sell ice to Eskimos and they were fantastic. But if you'd ask them, you know, how do you turn your car on? They'd be like, I, I'm i really not sure about the, that, how the technicality of that works. I, right? I, I beat my bus pass. <laughs> exactly. and, and I think it's much more interesting to talk about the, how do you, side. like, how do you identify somebody that isn't just a script kitty versus somebody that actually knows how to write mm -hmm. code or, and, and, I don't want to tie it to just dev because, you know, that's, that's, I think we can be a bit broader than that. Yeah. But how do you like find somebody that is technically competent and, you know, versus somebody that isn't mm -hmm. technically competent, can, uh, but can tell a good game or tell a good story? Hmm. Right. And I would say the other, kind of question I have is how do you find somebody who has potential? So they maybe they don't have the resume that says I I've done all of these things. I know all of these things, but rather somebody that you can, how do you tell when you're talking? Cause there's times I've had where I'm talking to someone and I realize they may not have the technical background or resume that I'm looking for, but they've got it right. There's a spark there. They, I feel like they can problem solve. There's something there. Right. So I'm under, I'm interested in understanding, do you look for that as well? And how do you find that? I, I, right. Well, I, I've always like, said that an engineering degree is not teaching you how to solve every problem. What it's teaching you is how to go and find the right books to open up, to look at, and then get the data and understand the data to be able to solve the problem that you're given. You're, and to, to your point, Russ, that's the thing. It's like, Somebody that doesn't know the answer today is not necessarily the person that won't know the answer tomorrow if you give them a chance to learn the piece mm -hmm. that's in between, right? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, well, a couple of things. One, at this point, I'm well over 800 interviews and well over some ridiculous amount of hires and such in, in different aspects of this. But one of the things I want to make very clear in all these things is I'm either saying yay or no to people with PhDs, but I'm a fine arts major, right? Like I went and I did uh, photography and um, underwater, underwater basket weaving. Those are the things I did, right? Like is it, but what, what the things I'm looking what for. What Rob is saying is that he is the most overpaid, under talented, under qualified on earth person in the history of software. basket weaver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, with all that in mind, I'll, I'll turn around and go like uh, one of the things you'd said that, the it factor or whatever that's involved i'm looking for i'm looking for someone with some kind of creativity imagination and ability to apply uh themselves to the solutions in front of them regardless of what they know now mm -hmm. uh and and that's the people i'm kind of looking for because i mean i could i've found people who've gone through and got like full-on phds in technology in their space in their area but if I go and turn around and go like, so what are you going to do with that? They're like, I want a job. And that that's where it starts falling apart for me in interviews and such. I, yeah. I'm, I really want to be like, I like things I want to dig into when I, in technology myself is I'm very, very interested in how do I get like better user interactions with the technologies and the piece we have today. Like a couple of, um, podcasts ago i kind of went off a little bit about cell phones and like how they've become just you know app like app pimps they just the next mm -hmm. app the next app like when are we going to turn that around on its head and make it to where applications are feeding the os that feed the person what they want like i have an idea of what i want in technology and how i wanted to better empower people and i'm thinking through these things and i'm looking for that kind of passion and drive within those things so i i think there's an interesting bit there if we step back for a second sure. and look at the interview mm -hmm. like the actual interview uh, right mm -hmm. and now i'm gonna be deadly serious about this it's like i've done a bunch of interviews as well and i can pretty much tell you within 15 seconds of the interview whether I'm going to give a hire to the person or not. Really? 15 seconds? Like, let's be honest. Like, it usually takes well, me, I, I'll give you a certain amount of time, not 15, maybe may 15 minutes. Maybe, maybe two minutes yes. okay. or something. But it, it's like that first interaction with the candidate, you're like, everything else after that is just bullshit. Hmm. Right? You know, because the person wouldn't be interviewing with you if they, well, Let's assume. Well, they get to now me. I'm, <laughs> now I'm assuming that that HR does their job, right? Which is a, a big assumption. But you know, like that candidate wouldn't be sitting in my office if they couldn't actually do the job. And so, in that first couple of minutes, and I have an hour to interview them. In that first couple of minutes, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna. I want to hire this guy or I don't. Have I ever you know, told you the time it, I got it, into Microsoft? Has, have, have you guys heard the well, story? Think about, think about your hiring yeah. loop. And well, well, with all due respect, Rob, half the people on your hiring loop should probably be fired. And, Fair enough. I won't argue you know, that, especially when I tell you the story. The thing, <laughs> the thing Russ, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the, the, Microsoft had this thing where you would come in at eight in the morning and then you would basically have back-to-back -back interviews all day until about five o'clock in the evening. Right. When if you'd passed everyone in that, that day, they would then send you to what they referred to as an as appropriate as app, yep. uh, interview which would typically be the the boss of the boss of the boss that hired you. And you would go sit down there and you talk to them and then then HR would, you know, trundle you off back to the the hotel and, and everything. The whipping post. But if you at any point during the day, if you got kicked out, it's like, yeah, that's a no. That that's clearly a no at any point. And 
when you did the as appropriate, it's a maybe. Because if you got the as appropriate, what that meant was that some senior guy was willing to give up his time to actually interview you. So that meant you were more than a, a maybe, you were just positive maybe. You know, uh, and then you would do the, the interview. But, you know, how did you, I, how, so how in the hell did you get through this, Rob? Oh, you, you really want to hear? So back in the late 90s, um, I was working over at KeyBank in the, the technical division over there. I was doing just, you know, uh, backups between uh, here and Ohio from where KeyBank was. But um, I was getting kind of. And, and Tony just walks out the room. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. This will give me a moment. Let's give us time to talk without Tony interrupting. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, so I, uh, a friend of mine who worked at KeyBank, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> everyone leaves the room. God damn it. Um, but it, uh, a friend of mine who worked at KeyBank with me uh, said, oh, I think I'm going to play at Microsoft. And I was like, shit, I'll apply at Microsoft, whatever. Um, and because I, I was just kind of, sick of the job there and i got on the phone screen and they're asking me questions about uh different things like oh yeah i know this kind of i've, I've worked with networking here and things like that and like well what coding languages have you worked with oh not really well, like if you're work and then they still like well do you know like pearl or anything i'm like oh yeah pearl she's a great gal or whatever and apparently somewhere in all this bullshit where i was like well i'm never going to hear anything about this they're like, oh, well, if he's got the moxie to make jokes like that, who fucking knows this shit? Let's get him in here for an interview. <laughs> and so they bring me in for an interview on what uh, was originally the Emerson search team before it became Bing later. And uh, I get in there and they run me through, as Tony told you, the rigmarole. And it gets all the way. And I'm at the whole time, I'm like, when are they going to call bullshit on this? Because they're putting me through this thing where I'm trying to understand some scalability and networking. And I'm like, I don't know seen this before and then um they're walking me through other thing around test casing and stuff like that and i'm like uh yeah sure i'd do this or this and that and it, you know it's a million years ago so i'm trying to remember everything but i just remember getting to the point where i'm talking to this guy rob vogue and um he is now passed on but god rest his soul that man um he made me he made me what i am today um and he something in that as app with him by that i left I left Microsoft driving back down to my little place down south, and I'm like, well, that was interesting. I'll never see that again. And by the time I go home on my voicemail, because back then we had voicemail, <laughs> they're like, hey, we want to talk to you about getting your uh, getting you in and um, talking about what your compensation package is going to look like. And I'm like, what the fuck did I do to get this right? <laughs> but whatever i'd done and and rob mm -hmm. and rob brought me in and i was running what was considered the qfe team at that point and running the testing and all that and by the and um after my first year there i got one of the higher grades that microsoft had at a 4.5 but rob vogue was like yeah well when you came in and the stuff you showed like you were someone i felt like you you could do this and i understood what you could do and like you're just your ability to to just take apart things and not panic about them. Like you need to be mm -hmm. in here working the, the test engine for this place. And, and, but yeah, no, I was, I was never designed for that. And over the time I was there, I learned, you know, how to code and all the technologies and all that stuff, but I did it all on the job versus, you know, coming mm -hmm. in today. So, I couldn't so get my job. We used to, like, I, I would agree with that, Rob, mm -hmm. that you couldn't get your job today. Mm. Um, I, when I, you know, started working in the U.S., our model of hiring was hire smart people. It is easier to hire smart people and teach them the job than it is to hire somebody that knows the job and make them smart. Yeah, And, and so, you know, we would get a lot of, like, people that would come in and they you know, they worked many years at many companies, and it's like, yeah, you you just sort of don't get it. And this was the point that I was making about that first three or four minutes of the interview, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you 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 either get it on. I remember a, I did an interview with a, a very smart young man. Like the guy was probably way smarter than me. 
Not probably. And, well, that's not really hard. That's like, you know, your average yogurt left out on the street is probably smarter than me. But, you know, he came in and I asked him a question about Java. And he pitched this thing. And, and the way he, he did it, it was clear that what he was doing was giving me, like, you know, the reach around. Uh -huh. And, you know, he was going to make me feel like everything that I did. And I, and I, and I said to him, I said, okay, awesome. Now, imagine you're on the other side. Tell me why that wouldn't work. And as soon as I said that to him, there was like deer in the headlights thing. And he's like, you know, because he had prepped to yeah. like tell that story. Right. You know, this and, Yeah. Sorry, Ross. Go ahead. Please. Oh no, it just yeah, it's 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 uh, uh, what you said is very is really resonating with me, Tony. Because I think that that's one of the things that I when I was thinking about this topic of how do you find talent, or even you're saying you know I'd rather hire smart people and teach them a job. The question is still well, how do I know they're smart, they're smart, and not just charming, right? Right. And I I, I have well, always then found you would the hire most me. Well, of course, charming motherfucker. Clearly not charming. And let's face it, neither is Rob. So here you go. Two of the three of us here are and possibly not charming. Homicidal maniac. As far as we keep going, <laughs> right? You were saying. Ah, as I was saying. <laughs> Which, when you start, I think the most illuminating or the most insightful. Uh, interviews I've had when talking to candidates is when you get into a territory where they don't know the answer. And that could be for a super senior person. It might be getting into, you know, something super deep for somebody who's brand new to the industry. It might just be about, you know, well, let's talk about optimistic locking and how that works. Right. It could be anywhere on that. It doesn't matter where on that spectrum it is. The interaction is the same when you take that person and you get them to into an area where they don't know. Admit they I'm don't know. I don't admit say they it. don't know. Yeah. Well, that's part of it, right? Like that's the charisma part is, is this person capable of saying, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And then now let's have a conversation and I'll give you, I'll tell you what I understand about it and we can kind of hash it out. And that's where you see, that's those are the instances where I see the light bulb go off and understand that like they have that spark, that creativity, that ability to make, come what? to a conclusion. But if they're just answering questions that they've prepared for, or, you know, if we're just talking about what you like lists, your CS program. <laughs> yeah. You well, know, it's it, illuminating. Russ, on that point, um, one of the, um, the things I would tell, you know, new program uh, product managers when they would come into Microsoft is that when you're in the a press interview, when the press are asking you questions, it's, okay to tell them you don't know yeah actually i look you know, for that yeah and just say like yeah i i don't know the answer to that mm -hmm. i am more than happy to go and find the answer for you and follow up mm -hmm. and get back to you with the answer and now that's a little bit of um a thing that if you don't follow up you lose credibility but if you yeah. follow up you actually get Double yeah. credibility, right? From yeah. saying you don't know. I'm almost. Uh, this is all reminding me. I almost miss doing more of the technical interviews. By the time people get to me now, I'm looking at fit and finish mm -hmm. stuff, right? Like, are they a good like culture fit yeah. for a company? What is their ceiling? What's their glass ceiling? What do we got to do to no, break through it? Like, okay. I, I'm almost missing Boil that piece it now. Back, Rob. Yeah. You don't it's give been... a rat's ass about any of that. All you care about is how does it fit the budget? I'm just looking for how. Yes. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> did you say did you say how does it fit the budget or how does it fit the budgie either one would. <laughs> okay. Right. okay russ brought it up this week i didn't expect that man all kinds right. of stuff no i i'm here i hear what you're saying rob because i, I it's been a long time since i've had a, just a good old-fashioned you know let's get the whiteboard out and I used to love that playing that Columbo thing. Yeah. Oh, let's take it one more thing. Like, let's one let's more see. Question. Yeah, let's see how far we <laughs> yeah. can take you down the road yeah. before and you start to sweat. It. I hated interviews. Mm. 
right? I hated doing the the recruiting interview thing because, you know, I was given a half hour, an hour or whatever. And I'm telling you that, like, mostly it it took me three to five minutes at the start to decide Mm -hmm. whether or not Mm -hmm. I think you're a good fit, a good hire, you know, do you have your shit together, that Mm -hmm. that sort of thing right at the start. And then I'd have to fill another 25 to, like, 55 minutes of of time. And, And so... I got out of it by, um, and this may or may not be uh, one of my, you know, the, one of these moments where I should be telling the story or proud of it. My legal but, representation wait. says I must. <laughs> I got out of like, I got off the uh, recruiting interview loop because I made a candidate cry. And God, she came in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She came in and she talked about all this stuff she'd done with these Marxist organizations in like Russia mm-hmm. and China. And I'm like, well, in which case, then you should be completely uh, familiar with Solzhenitsyn's work. Let's talk about the Gulag Archipelago and how we could make it more efficient. Right, and oh my god! And, <laughs> and, and then I just, just putting the label on this. Like, poked. Oh crap! I hit the microphone there. I just poked at the whole thing. It's like, how do you make a uh, dam where the water is frozen every year? How do you make that actually technically possible? And what things would you think about to ensure that the dam in the event of climate change wouldn't fail, you know? And and I just drilled her on this whole thing. And, you know, and then she burst into tears. And at that point I got up out of my chair and I walked to my office door and I walked out and I called other people in and I might, you know, just so that I had, you know, witnesses to show that I I didn't do anything physically wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and then <laughs> we called the HR person and had it carried out. And I'm like, a stretcher. <laughs> yeah. Don't come into my office and talk about, you know, your love for the world and then piss over me with like, you know, Marxist ideology. Fuck that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Least, here's, this was here's, not at all the direction I thought it was going. <laughs> Actually, I do have. Maybe this leads into it. What? I, so, you've always had those weird, like, oh, let's give them the fucking puzzle or whatever. Like, what is actually yeah. a good technical interview in this day and age? I'm still, I'm still fiddling with the right. There, there stuff. really isn't one. There, there's not a good. Like, oh, Russ agreed with you. It, oh shit, what? No, well, how? No. I'm, Back down, Ross. D- yeah. I'm, I'm. Hang on, I got to check to make sure the the apocalypse isn't happening. <laughs> there, there, there's not a there, like all of these these that all of these bullshit questions that tech companies used to ask mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. Oh, like, like, like how many ping pong balls can you fit in a 747? Or right, or the fox, the chicken, sort, and the ostrich, yeah, or whatever. All that sort of stuff doesn't tell you anything about the person, right? All it does is tell you about, you know, how good your question was, right? I had, I, I had one interview um, candidate go on, and he was technically qualified, and so I don't even know why he got to me, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm serious. I, Tony's gonna put this guy in tears. We gotta get him out of here and hire him quick. Right. No, no, no. Like, what I mean is like he. He should have been well hired before he even got to me. It's like, like, why are you asking for my opinion? The guy is fucking awesome hiring. Right. Right. And and so we're having the question thing. And this is where I got my three quarter mongrel going on was I asked him this series of questions. Not available on the merch channel. (laughs) I asked him this series of questions and that, 
at some point during the process, he stopped and he said, wait, are you asking me to sell iced Eskimos? And that is exactly what I was asking him to do. <laughs> and I'm like, that's you know, Tony's stamp of approval. And I'm like, excellent. You know? uh, I don't even understand why he was like given to me. Right. You know, yeah. Like, I'm like, we should have hired this guy like four interviews ago. And that's the other thing. The, 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 oh, the process runs a process. process. Yeah. The process is the process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. I, to, to answer your question around. Yeah, that, please. I, I haven't done, I'm, I'm not doing technical interviews these days. And I, but to, Me with you, I, I liked it. I would love to be getting, doing that. Um, I have found that the dumb, dumb questions about like how many ping pong balls fit in an airplane and stuff. I mean, those, yeah, they seem like gimmicky, right? But I do like a question that involves putting some kind of at least pseudocode on a whiteboard mm -hmm. that we're collaborating on, right? Because that's what I, that's part of what I'm wanting to know two things. One is like, do I like this interaction? Are you asking questions? Are you freezing up? Are you, are we kind of going back and does this like, is there some chemistry, right? Which right. to your point, Tony, I think you can, I do agree. I can know within a few minutes whether or not I want to work with this person the interactivity that happens on the whiteboard kind of conf usually confirms that, okay, yeah, I was right. This is good. This is a good interaction or, oh yeah, I was right. This person, we don't, we're not meshing. Right. But the other part of it is using the, the code or pseudocode as a framework for having a conversation to understand their problem solving skills and get them to a problem that they don't know the answer to natively that we have to hash out. And that actually gets us back to the gimmicky ping pong balls in an airplane problem. What's illuminating about those problems is you probably don't know just automatically the answer to the question. It's not just, mm -hmm. you're not just going to cough that up. You got to, so I want to understand, well, how did you get there? Right. Right. I think those are gimmicky, but having just like a simple algorithm on a whiteboard and interacting with somebody is pretty, it, it, it helps. It, it's great, but it's great if they don't know the answer. If they know so the answer, it's I, not eliminated. Right. I, I think, Ross, the, the, the really insightful part of the, the comment you're making there was about the whiteboard part of, like, the, the, the challenge, mm -hmm. right? The, when you ask a gimmicky question, everyone now, you yeah. know, years ago they didn't know this, but now every candidate knows that when you say, well, if you're given a uh, thousand ping pong balls, how do you float a uh, you know submarine to the so They all know that there is some thing there that they're not supposed to, that they is random or like. Well, they need to show their work, hidden, right? They need to show their that work. That they don't know, right? You know, mm -hmm. when you get them working on a problem with you. Then at that point, they're like, oh, wait, now we don't know this. This is a thing we don't know. How can you tell me whether, you know, what is the answer here? You know, like, what are the assumptions we moved to? And I was reading a post on an electronic uh, engineer forum just recently where they were talking about, you know, what, you know, what is the, um, the, the VSWR, uh, which is the uh, the standing wave ratio, if you connect a 50-ohm thing into a 75-ohm thing, if all the components are ideal. Mm -hmm. Now, the textbook answer to that is 1.5. That's what your SWR ratio should be. But you didn't show 1. me how it work. <laughs> and... No, no, but that's fine. Yeah. But then somebody else asked the question, said, well, I measured it with this bunch of um, of cable, and it turned out to be 1.3. Why is that? As the question. You know, they weren't, mm -hmm. like, arguing about the thing. They were saying, well, you really should ask this type of question. That question, they turned ideal into real world and then asked the question about why that changed right now 
any actual real RF, you know, electrical engineer that had done RF training would tell you that it's, you know, the connectors. You've turned from ideal to non-ideal, so it's connectors, it's like cable loss, it's the, the you know, the, there's a litany of things that would change that value, right? But it, it struck me that it was interesting in the discussion with the 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 candidate would be to have, as you were saying, Russ, that you know, explain to me why this would happen, right? Mm -hmm. Right. From a technical perspective. Yeah, interesting. So if I can wrap it all kind of back into one thing, because Russ is not used to usually giving the subject and the closer. So I'll help you out a little bit on this one, but I, I really feel what the two things we've come into this with. And Russ would understand how to do this more if he was wearing a proper set of budgie smugglers. <laughs> I'll never tell. The right, right. way. Now, now <laughs> all he's wearing is probably some banana hammocks. Multiple. They're completely different. He does like a good hammock. It's not the same. <laughs> no, not the same. But... It doesn't, yeah. If I may get to the Russ, we can, we can explain your banana hammocks next time. <laughs> if I, 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 I think I, I've learned something a little bit here, and I'll let everyone kind of roll through this. But I've always one of the biggest things I've always looked at in any interview is can they critically think um, with uh, without ego about how to solve a problem and move forward. But I actually think that that is the key fundamental thing that we're all talking about but then you add on top of that the the amount of real world experience that they can both demonstrate and show tells you how far down the line they've gone from kind of entry level you know grub all the way up to you know senior level uh should be retired right like i think those are the two big factors that you look at in finding out not only do they have it but how long they've been doing it what? How big is their it? Exactly. Is, is that is what it? we're really talking? Are we all now talking <laughs> about just my Schwartz is longer than your Schwartz? <laughs> the quest for well, right. I will say there's definitely been times where I've interviewed someone with 15 years of experience, and I've realized, oh, that's they've just had the same year over and over for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, they've been <laughs> at it for 15 years, still trying to figure out the fuck to get off the floor. <laughs> but you, you get some of this random crap that happens, right? I think, you know, so I I got asked the the question of, you know, when I came to you know, Microsoft my second time, they asked me the random, you know, special question of, well, estimate how many uh, gas stations there are in the U.S. And I said, well, you know how I do that is. I'd ring the Gas Stations of America Association and ask them how many gas stations are there in the U.S. And they're like, oh, no, no, you can't do that because, you know, I'm like, no, you just, now you're just asking a bullshit question for a bullshit answer. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? There's, there are people right. that can do this for me. Why would I do it? It's like, that's smarter, right. not harder right there, right? And, well. Right. And you still got it, to your it, as appropriate with that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my as Tony appropriate worked there for 25 in my, years. <laughs> in, in my second interview at Microsoft, the vice president interviewed me. He had the ping pong ball uh, pool oh, Jesus. 747 uh, warehouse question. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this because this is just like, here, let's go to the whiteboard and I'll explain how it all like fills out. <laughs> And then, then he's like, all right, great. And I said, well, you know, what I want is X dollars a year. And he's like, yeah, we're not paying you that. I'm like, well, what will you pay me? And then basically our entire meeting was a, a discussion between what I wanted and what he was willing to pay to bring it up. And then we're like, that's done. how many ping pong balls it is. <laughs> right. 
That's you know. what they were asking. Oh my god! For some reason, yeah. I just had this idea where Tony's like, "Oh, you want to tell me how to ping pong balls in a plane?" And like he goes Listen, up and he writes his algorithm, <laughs> and he just doesn't talk the whole time, and he writes it all down. Right. And by the time he reaches the bottom right hand side of the board, he's like, "And this is why you should have never fucking asked me this question, you goddamn fucktard." When do I start? <laughs> so the bottom right hand part of the whiteboard must always if hollywood has taught us anything the bottom right hand part of the whiteboard must always equal zero, zero. <laughs> exactly yeah. and with so, but i do think it's it, it's a hard thing to to hire technical talent and, and and i'm not sure you can actually even interview for it i i really don't i think you've you've got to get that and this is my position, as we've discussed from the start of this to now. You've got to get that first five-minute feeling that that guy will actually work in your team. And then, over time, you have to judge what they do. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah. Like, if they, if they, they don't make that first five-minute thing, then, you know, almost... 100% of the time, they're not going to make that thing over time either. Yeah, I, I do uh, agree with you, Tony. Yeah. The, the real interview starts at, like, you've gone through Neo, and here's your project, and what have you got over those first few months? I agree that that is really, mm -hmm. like, because yeah, everything like, else is just, you know, fucking speed dating. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm not a dev. Yeah. Right? I, I'm a program manager. But I've worked with a lot of devs that can't deliver shit. And, you know, like you give them what should be a simple task. And then, you know, it's like maybe three, five days worth of dev work. And then three, five days after that, they're like, oh, no, still takes, you know, I've got another. Two and more hours, two more hours. I'll have to take it. Right. <laughs> And, and, and this is where, you know, having good dev managers makes a, a difference as well, right? Mm. Because as a program manager, you know, I can look at something, I can say, yeah, I feel like that's two days of work, right? But is it? You know, I'm pretty sure that I have a lot of experience and that's about two days of work, right? But when the dev come back and says, oh, yeah, that's going to be 17 days, that's when you look at the dev manager and you go, hey. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, is it, and the dev really? like, <laughs> yeah, I wrote that code last year. In less it than 17 days. It took me 16 and a half, and you will do it in 15. <laughs> right. And, but... That's why, like, I I actually don't think you can interview technical people on technical grounds um, for their jobs. You have to interview them on, do you think they'll work with the team and do you think they'll, mm -hmm. like, be able to contribute? And that, and that comes back to my, mm -hmm. you know, in that first three to five minutes is that person the the right person to work on the team or not and the rest of the interview is basically just bullshit mm. trying to fill in time because yeah, hr would, says it should be a half hour interview so i would say and i know you're trying to land plane rub okay I, I got my plane i got i got my wheels out i'm good go on um I, I think my model is to use technology to create the problems that we can then have a conversation around, but I don't care about it, the nuances of the syntax of the language, right? But I want to be able to like, at least it's a common language. I know we're talking about databases or object relational mapping or whatever it might be, right? Like we, we have a common area and then just use that to introduce problems that help us get to that. I would hate to think that there's, I was thinking, I was laughing as you said, Tony, there's no way to interview technical people. And I'm like, God damn it. We've been talking for the last hour about how to hire technical people. Guys, <laughs> sure. guys, I, I already have the answer. And we started the whole fucking oh. episode on it. You go into the room, they're sitting there nervous and you go, 
You want to play D&D with me? Amen. <laughs> no, if, if you've got a tight, if you've got a complete conference room full of people, throw an orange at them, right? And then see who tries to catch it versus see who gets out of the road versus see who just says it's a fucking orange. You can't hurt <laughs> and lets it fall, right? And then ladder rank them at that point. <laughs> Fair enough. But they still got plenty of deal with us. That's right. All right. I think I think I think we've gone through a bit of it. Actually that was a good one. Russ, thank you for the uh thank you for the suggestion. I, I actually yeah. really enjoyed that. We might have actually been a little more technical than we usually are. How weird. Well, at some point we're gonna talk about agile. Oh yeah, that's on the Which, list. Somehow we keep putting that know, one off. I can't I can't wait. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. Because Russ has a three-quarter mongrel <laughs> over Agile, and you know, not on our merch channel. <laughs> also on the merch. No, no, no. All right, and um, yeah, maybe we'll see it. Well, no, hang on. <laughs> whoa, we won't whoa, see whoa, the whoa. three-quarter mongrel. We're gonna see. Maybe Agile we'll see, see the mongrels. discussion about Agile. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, when we all vote it up, we'll get there. But, gentlemen, actually phenomenal. Can we do this again next week? Russ, you in? Yeah, I'm in. All right. Uh, uh, Next week it is. Good, good. For sure. I'd love to. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. right. Gentlemen, as always, pleasure. Yeah, as well. Gotcha. Cheers, all. All right. I'm going to go read some Communist Manifesto now. Yeah. Don't cry. (laughs) Cheers, all. (laughs) Well, what do you think? Do you have the critical thinking skills the boys are after? Do you catch the orange? What's your it factor? I think this is another job well done for the guys. Well, that is, only if their job is proving that they're better off retired than employing anyone. We'll be back next week, so I'll see you there. Cheers!